Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready to shift into your destiny? Come on, ask them. Are you ready? Come on, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Father, we love you so very much. We thank you, Lord God, for your anointing already felt in this place. You are doing incredible things, Lord God. We are on the cusp of seeing something wonderful happen. There's change in the atmosphere. It's beginning to shift, and we give you praise and glory for that. Now let your anointing, Lord, penetrate every hearer today. I pray, Lord God, at the sound of my voice, that I be anointed to speak and prophesy and declare your word in Jesus' name. Also, Lord God, that your people would receive under that anointing, Lord God, from this sanctuary all the way into the children's ministry, all the way through that camera into people's homes. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. Amen. And prayer on Tuesday, I've been praying uh, early in the morning, especially real early for some reason. Lord has me up very early praying. And so I've just been getting up, not turning television on, trying to check out the news. I've just been in the spirit praying. And on Tuesday, it was unusual. I felt like God was beginning to Uh, like a strategy of repositioning his people in a brand new way. And I wrote this post, and I I brought it here to the pulpit today to share with you because I felt it was was written properly. Uh, I said this, in prayer this morning, I felt a major shifting taking place. God's people are about to emerge in a brand new way. We will look back and say, look what the Lord has done. You might have to bring that song back. Look what the Lord has done. Mm. Look what the Lord has done. Mm, mm, mm. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me right on time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. Each day is just the same. Come on. Come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. I'm not going to do it again. That was just one time. I thought I'd just do it right there. We'll look back and we'll say, look what the Lord has done. Let me encourage you today. Don't give up. Keep in the fight. You are gaining ground. If it's been tough, then you are transitioning and transforming into something greater. God always stretches your capacity for more. Get excited and be thankful and give God some praise. You are being set up for destiny. Somebody shout yes. Who's ready for some destiny? Got some hungry people in the church today. Praise God. When the children of Israel were in bondage and slave, God heard the cries and the prayers that were sent forth before him. And the Bible said he pitied his people and began to maneuver and strategize. Now, 400 years went by and this had not happened. So it sort of came out of the blue, if you will. But God heard them. They finally cried out to God. For mercy, for help. And so there was a particular generation that said enough is enough. I wonder if we have that generation on the earth today of people that are saying enough is enough. It's time for God to move on our behalf. Slavery is not something we want. And to be enslaved to the system and so on. And so they heard, God heard the cry and lifted up, raised up a man by the name of Moses, who he called a deliverer, to stand in his stead on earth and declare to Pharaoh, who's a type of Satan uh, in Egypt, which is a type of the world system, let my people go. Somebody's got to learn to stand up on God's behalf and say, let my family go. Let me go in the name of Jesus. Let my finances go. 
And, um, and so there was a shift that was about to take place that had not taken place yet. We know there were 10 plagues as a result of that. I'm not going to get into all of the ramifications of the word that was spoken, but just understand that when you speak the word of God, many times the enemy comes to usurp that word or try to steal that word or stop that word. He'll do everything in his power, but the good news is the plagues that came on Egypt did not come upon the children of God. You should have shouted a whole lot more than I thought you would. Because coronavirus shall not come nigh your dwelling and shall not come nigh my dwelling. Somebody lift up a shout and give God praise for his protective power. Everybody say, I plead the blood of Jesus. Just like in times of old, when the blood was applied upon the doorposts and the death spirit had to pass over. Death, destruction passes over me. By way of that blood, in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a shout of praise if you mean it today. Come on. I want to say something to you. Listen to me, every one of you. This is impromptu. This is by the Spirit, those watching us. I want to say something to you. Coronavirus is not coming to your house. Now, I will tell you that bad news sells, and I'm going to tell you that's all they're going to talk about, talk about, talk about, talk about, talk about. When we had 28 million people in, in this country last year that had the influenza virus and only 40 some people in America today have the coronavirus. Over th thousands, I don't know the number, thousands and thousands of people died of influenza last year. Only a, a fraction, four or five, seven people have died of coronavirus this year. Don't let the media fill you with hype of fear. Because if you open the door to fear, Rob, that's when the enemy comes and steals your blessing. That's when sickness and disease can come. But if you ever walk by faith and not by sight, by his stripes, I am healed. Come on, church. You better get that Psalms 91 pill going. Take it every day. Prophesy it every day. Get your Psalms 91. Every single day of your life, get it out and speak it over your life. And when coronavirus finally goes away, you better still speak that 91 over your life. But there was a, there was a shift that was taking place uh, in Israel, or rather in e Egypt, over God's people, to shift them from a place of being slaves into a place of destiny. Completely the opposite. And to becoming the people of God living with wealth and authority in the earth where God alone backed them. But they came up against the giants for the first time. And when they saw the giants, the reaction to the giants were, they're too big for us. That's exactly what they said. They came back, 12 went, went and spied out the land. 10 came back and had a bad report. What was the bad report? They're too big for us. We can't fight them. Two came back, Jacob and Caleb said, we're well able. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. They're a big, massive target. You can't miss these giants. God will fight with us. And so God said that's a good report. The bad report is going against what God has said. Am I right about this? And so they were saying they're too big for us. Now, in the natural, they were right. When I say the natural, I hope you understand, the natural means in this world, the, the, what we see, what we hear and taste and touch, uh, and, and, and we, 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 the five physical senses, right? That is the natural. So in the natural, they weren't telling a lie. They were, very, they were too big. But we are no longer natural only. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what happened? God now dwells in us. 
So God put his super on our natural. Y'all didn't hear that. I said God put his super on our natural. Y'all know what happens to peanut butter and chocolate when it comes together. When you when you remember the commercial, he tripped and fell, and his chocolate fell into his peanut butter. You got your peanut butter in my chocolate. You got your chocolate in my peanut butter. Mmm, this is pretty good. That's called a Reese's butter. You know, manna, the Bible talks about manna that came from heaven in the Old Testament. I know exactly what they were. They were Reese's butter cups. The only true candy from heaven, praise God. It just tastes better. Chocolate and peanut butter just taste better together. The same is true with you and God. You alone is all right. But when you put the supernatural God on you, all things become possible to those who will believe. We are now partners with God. God lives and dwells in us, and so something happens. The only thing that's required from this point on is something called faith. Everybody say faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith has substance of things hoped for. What's hope for mean? Hope means something that you desire that has not happened yet. You're hoping for that to happen. You're hoping and believing or trusting that that will happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Faith is the substance of that, okay? But it's also, faith is also the evidence of things not seen. So faith is substance and faith is evidence of things you don't have yet. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence of things you don't see yet, right? It is like the proof of the purchase. So you, you order something on Amazon, and you want, it, you want it in for a gift or whatever, a book you want. And so you go and you put in all your information and all that kind of stuff, the code and blah, 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 and the coupon and all that stuff. And you send it out, and then they hit you, and they say, uh, they say success. And they say, you have ordered, here's the confirmation order to what you've ordered. Now, did you get the book the moment that you bought the book on Amazon? No, but you got what? You got the proof of purchase. You got the confirmation. You got the title deed. You got the receipt to let you know that even though what you bought you don't have in your hands yet, it's on its way. And I got good gospel news to tell somebody today that even though you don't have what you've been hoping for or believing for, if you'll stand in faith, the day will come. Everybody say, my delivery has been made. Say, my miracle, my breakthrough is already on its way. As a matter of fact, it's mine. Now slap your neighbor and say, it's yours too. Come on, tell them. Church, for some of the stuff we've been going through, we're going to have to reach toward heaven to get it to get those answers because earthly wisdom is just not enough. I told you we're not just natural. We're supernatural. God in us is a requirement that we walk by faith and not by sight. And that faith thing is going to cause us to reach toward heaven, okay, not toward the earth. And the reason why I say that is because you have been granted supernatural assistance from heaven. God promises that from his spirit, from angels, in order to establish God's plan and his will for your life on planet earth. No matter the color of your skin, no matter the economic or sociological background you have, 
no matter the, the no matter if you've got some pros or cons or things for you or against you, it all works the same. Faith works the same way. And I, I mentioned a moment ago, but no matter the color of your skin, because sometimes I think that we think that because we're a certain color, we're going to get something or we're not going to get something. But not so in the kingdom of God. I look around this church right now. I don't see one color. I see a rainbow of color. Some of you, I know what you are. And some of look at you. I'm not sure where you are, praise God. I don't know. You got a different shade. I don't know what's going on with you, praise God. Amen. Amos is one of my elders, and he sent me a little emoji of himself. Like, there's a bald-headed guy with a beard, a thumb up, but he had a high yellow color. Praise God. I thought, I've never seen a high yellow color to an emoji before. Praise God. That's what it is, praise the Lord. I don't, our church is different. We're not, I will say what we are not. We are not a multicultural church. Did y'all hear me? I thought we were. No, we are multi-ethnic. There's many ethnicities in this room, but there's only one culture, and that's the culture of the kingdom of God. It's the culture of God, the God of heaven. Come on, it's the people of God coming together as one sound, one voice, one vision. Hallelujah. And he is worthy to be praised. I thank God that we got a church like this. And we're not the only one, but I tell you, it's very rare to find a church like this in our city. It's, it's rare to find this kind of church anywhere in the world. I thank God. It's a precious thing. How did it happen, Pastor? I don't know. God just favored it, put his hand upon it. That's how it happened. Praise God. Here's the deal. As a believer, when we're faced with a situation that's too big for us, like them giants, for the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, Whether it be good or bad, if it's too big for us, we're going to have to learn to operate by faith in order to get through to the other side. This was the main resource that Jesus had to operate in during his earthly ministry. This was his main resource. He didn't have anything else. He was a carpenter's son, so it wasn't like he was poor. But he didn't have all the wealth in the world to do what he was called to do, no. He certainly didn't have all the people that he was called to have, I mean, that he, that he would have had any other way outside of the faith that he had in the Father. The Bible said his practice was to get up every single morning and get before the Almighty. And there came his faith. Last week I, I, I preached uh, in this place, um, my, my last message on Together, and I made mention to you, one of the themes of it was about this widowed woman who was in debt past her eyeballs, over her head. She was literally overwhelmed by her debt to the point that she had so much debt because her father, her, her, uh, uh, her, uh, her husband had passed away. And now there's, her two young sons were being called up to go to debtor's prison, to be in prison, to work off the debt that she owed. I don't know how long that would have taken, but all she knew, she was losing her sons. She was losing her home. She had nothing left to give, nothing, at least she thought. And the man of God was sent to her home. And she tells him, you know, it's okay to talk about what you're going through. Nothing wrong with that. She says, this is what's going on in my life. But what you've got to be ready for is your eyes to be open to another possibility. You've got to be open. You can't be doubting all the time. You can't be doubting all the time and being unbelief. You've got to believe and be on the, on the edge of what can God do? I, I know this is what it looks like, but what is God able to do for me? And she was, and the man of God said, I tell you what, what do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing. Everybody say nothing. That's a pretty bold thing to say. That means you got zero, zip, right? Nothing, she said. 
but a jar of oil. Now she counted what she had, the little she had, as absolutely nothing because she couldn't see any way in the natural how that was going to possibly help her out of her situation. God doesn't require what you have in your hand. He requires what you're willing to, what you're willing to release through your hand. That's all he requires. So she said, nothing but a jar of oil. And he said, bring it to me. God's going to do something for you today. And now go knock on your neighbor's doors and borrow vessels and not a few and bring them in here. And she did what he commanded. Now shut your doors and you just begin to pour that oil until you can pour no more. And by faith, she began to pour and pour and pour and filled up every single one of those vessels until she had enough to pay off all her debt. She had nothing but a little something to give and honor God with. That was all by faith. Your obedience is better than sacrifice. And she takes it rich and she says, this is all I have, but I'm going to be obedient to what God says to do with it. And God took her from zero to becoming her own businesswoman. She owned her own oil company. Y'all didn't hear me. Sold it all off, paid off all her debt, and the Bible says she lived and retired on the rest. Don't tell me God can't take your little and make it much in his kingdom. Just give him a seed. If you just give him a seed, he'll give you an entire harvest. This woman didn't lack resources. She lacked faith. But the moment she said, heard the word of the Lord, she responded in faith and God did the rest. Church, our source is God. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. As long as you stay connected to the source, your branches will produce what? Much fruit. If you don't have fruit, you become what? Frustrated, right? And you lack the provision you need. God wants your life to be so full of fruit that you've got more than enough. But there's no fruit on you, the branches, unless you stay connected to the source. Not connected to your job. Do your best on your job. But you, I, I'm not prophesying, but you could lose it tomorrow. But I'm telling you, for a believer, that's not a failure. That's not, that's not bad. That just means God's making you to get set up for something better than you've ever had before in your life. And maybe that is a word for somebody today. You better grab that by faith this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost in this church. We are connected to the source. Everybody say, God is my source. Say, God is my source. God is the source of your provision. God is the source of your deliverance. God is the source of your healing. God is the source of your new home. God is the source of your new job. God is the source of your marriage. When you operate by faith and simply act on God's word, you activate the resources that are not from you but are for you. Everybody say, he's my supplier. Back in the world, you knew what that meant, praise God. But God's a much better supplier than that. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, and 4 verse 19, and my God shall supply. Is he your God today? I'm asking you a question. Is he your God today? Then your God shall supply, shall supply, fill to the full, all the way to the top. All your what? All your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Oh, my need is not matched by what I have in my bank account. My need is not matched by the resources I have on earth. My need is not matched by my job situation. My need is fulfilled by his riches in glory. And your God ain't broke today. Your God owns it all. A cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and the gold is mine, says the Lord. He lives an opulent life. He ain't broke. He's ready to bless his people. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of life. Somebody give a shot of praise. Hallelujah. Is this all right this morning? If you're visiting here today, you say, my God, what's going on? It happens every Sunday. Every Sunday we mind our own business and then God shows up. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Glory to God. I'm not in, an, I'm not in that old system I was in before. I'm something different now. I'm in, a, I'm in the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood. I've been redeemed. That means purchased back from. He purchased me. With, but His economy is the blood of Jesus. It cost His life for my life, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. Interesting choice of word, invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. The invisible God creates invisible things out of invisibility that you cannot see. In other words, God creates stuff you can't see. It's already there. You may not know it. You might can't see with your natural eyes, but everything you need, God has supplied all my need. Has. Already happened. Past tense. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. What framed the world? Literally, what put gravity and framing things in and space and time and, and, and galaxies and universes and our earth and all of that and frames us in. The Bible says framed in by the word of God. You can't see words, yet God uses it as something of substance so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Well, everything I see, church, every sustainable resource that you need was created from the unseen. I'm gonna get a little heavy on a Sunday morning just for just a couple minutes. I'm gonna go right back. I'm gonna go right back, but just hang with me. That thing you're sitting on called a chair this morning, that was something that was created out of something you couldn't see. The across the street, where are we at? This street, right here. The airport across the street, general, directly right across the street here, right? Those airplanes that pick you up and thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds and takes you all over the United States and the world from this airport, right? Was made, that those aircrafts were made from things you couldn't see. Everything you can see today came up out of this ground. Selah. You know what Selah means? Pause and ponder. It's deep. Everything you can see, those cameras, the AV equipment, the car you drive, the clothes you wear, every single thing came out of the earth. And the first man may not have seen it to begin with, 
But as God began to reveal things to man, their faith said it can be done. Okay, you don't believe that? Where did you come from? Out of the ground. Beneath the surface. Everything you need has already been put inside of you. That's why the seed, come on somebody, produces after its kind and every seed is in itself. It'll never stop, never stop, never stop, never stop. It'll continue and continue and continue and continue and continue to bring extra harvest and more harvest. Why? Because it's already set up that way. God put inside of you all the resources that you'll ever need. That's why the kingdom of God, he says, is inside you. So all you've got to do is receive information from God once you see that it's possible. And by faith, you begin to step out and begin to walk in it like it's about to happen and speak with your mouth like it's about to take place or already has taken place. That's when you start to see what you couldn't see before. God makes things out of the invisible so that you can see them in the natural. You'll never get out of debt until you see yourself out of debt. You're going to have to get in that Bible every day and get in that word and say, what does the Bible have to say about my debt? God says he'll cancel it. God says he'll, just like he did with the children of Israel, once and for all, they borrowed everything out of Egypt. Watch this, walk through the Red Sea. They were perfectly fine, went over and worshiped God on the other side. But the enemies came in and the water walls came down and caused a watery grave, killing all their enemies and forgiving all their debt. Faith creates things that are not to be as though they are. In other words, you are not restricted to earth's resources or man's limited abilities. Let me prophesy this to you this morning. Y'all ready for the word of the Lord? Here we go. Your so-called limitation will become the platform by which God promotes you and brings glory to himself. The limits that tried to hold Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back because they would not bow their knee, and they wrapped them up with cords and threw them into a fiery furnace, but the only things that got burned were the things that were trying to bind them in the first place. That's exactly what limits try to do with you. Limits try to bind you up. But when you walk through with faith, come on, the only fire that comes from the destruction is to destroy the things that bind you up. And that limitation became the platform on which Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted. I declare over you that your limits will become leverage in the name of Jesus. You're about ready to shift into a whole new arena, a whole new level of destiny where only your dreams will come to pass. Somebody shout, yes! Come on! When Israel needed to shift, when Israel needed to shift into their destiny, God required a faith shout. I don't know how you can sit there so quiet. Well, I'm just not used to it. Oh, quit. Quit. When the Packers are bare score, that winning score, you lose your ever-living mind. But you want to stay quiet in the house of God. Can I tell it for just a moment? 
The Bible says clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on. Come on. He said, you want to take Jericho? March around Jericho seven times. And on the seventh day, walk around it seven times more. And then when you hear the trumpet, when you hear the trumpet blast, you begin to shout like you lost your mind. And when you shout, I'll bring down the enemies. I'll bring down your walls. One, two, three, shout. Come on. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? This God is able. This God is able. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in me. Yeah, 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 hallelujah, hallelujah, Woo, Jesus. You may be seated. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Somebody shout yes! God is breaking something this morning. God is breaking something this morning. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Woo, Jesus. That's why Abraham was told by God. You heard me preach this on last Sunday was told by God, take your son, your only son. I know what I promised you, but you take him and you make him a sacrifice on Mount Moriah instead of anything else, no lambs, no rams, no sheep. I want you to take, in fact, your son, and he'll become the sacrifice, and I'll be honored and I'll be pleased. He doesn't argue with the Almighty. He takes his son, his only son, takes the fire with him, takes the lumber, the, the wood for the fire, takes the bindings, the things that he would bind, normally would bind the sacrifice to. He takes the knife in order to take the life of the sacrifice. And they get there, and all of a sudden they, they get to that place, and, and they look over yonder, and they, they say, he said, look, you men stay here, you servants, they were helping him, you stay here. He said, but I and the lab go yonder to worship God, but we shall return. He knew what the promise was, even though it looked like it was about ready to falter and fail. Even though God was requiring something that he thought he could never do, he was going to walk by faith and not by sight. That's why he's called the father of faith. I said that's why Abraham's called the father of faith. Because he obeyed God, not in the good times, not in the easy time, but in the tough time. He said, we're coming back. I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. So they begin to walk. They begin to walk onto the mountain. And he didn't know it, but God had something else planned. All he had to do was keep walking what God told him to walk and keep doing what God called him to do. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but God may have offered asked you to do something that you thought you could never do. But if you just walk it out in obedience, God will make a way where there seems to be no other way. This God will cause even the desert to bloom. Every step... Every step that Abraham took, 
and walked up that mountain. He didn't understand because he couldn't see with his eyes. But every step he took, there was a ram on the other side of the mountain, and he took a step. And every step uh, that Abraham decided, he took two or three steps. Two or three steps. He didn't realize there was a ram he couldn't see that took two and three steps. Every step Abraham took, uh, every step that ram took, but he did not know it. And when he put his son on the altar to have him become the sacrifice with a tear in his eye but a glean in his faith, he took his knife to take his only son's life, but an angel showed up. And said, Abraham, this that you sought to do, you don't have to do. God has seen your faith. And Jehovah Jireh has provided. Look over yonder. There's a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. That shall be your sacrifice. Jehovah Jireh. His provision shall be revealed. His provision shall be seen. I just want to tell two or three people here today, you've been on a journey, and it's been looking like it ain't coming through, but just keep on walking. Your provision is going to match you step for step. I wish somebody would shout, yeah! Come on! You may be seated. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We think that our economy comes through what we see. We think that our breakthrough comes through what we see. And and that's why people get caught up in covetousness and, and begin to compete because they think there's not enough and so I got to get mine. So people go to these stores and they get all the sanitizers and toilet paper and they begin to hoard and greed. Got to get mine, mine, mine because no one's promised for tomorrow. I'm not saying it's wrong to, to, to be prepared, but I'm saying you got to get out of that mentality of shortage, lack, and not enough. It breeds greed and it will bring even more limitation. And you begin to compete with your friends and family because competition comes out of all that stuff. You want to beat them to the punch. But you and I are not, are, are, you, you and I are connected to the invisible, which is the unlimited supply that the world cannot see. There's no Sam's Club in heaven. There's no Costco in heaven. No Target in heaven. Right? No pick and save in heaven. God has an unlimited supply that's already laid up for you and I. Elijah and his servant were out in the middle of somewhere, going from one place to the next. And they woke up in the morning. And Elijah's just chilling, having his little whatever he's having, a cup of coffee. I don't know what he's doing. He's just chilling. And his servant freaks out and says, oh, my Lord. Elijah, don't you see? Look around us. We are surrounded by our enemies on every side. We can't go to the left or to the right, front or back. We are doomed. Doomed, you hear me? And what does Elijah say? Elijah says, 
Lord, Father, open his eyes that he may see what I see. Why, why do some people have a pretty comfortable life and seemingly kind of walk through life in a way that they've got peace all about them? While others are running around like chickens with their head cut off, don't know what, what, what day is what and what end is up, and so they just run around like crazy in fear, trying to scatter and get this and get that and all that. Why? Because one's decided they're going to walk by the things that normally you cannot see. There's a whole realm of authority given to us. He said, open his eyes that he may see what I see, Lord. And God opened the eyes of his servant. And when he did, he saw flaming chariots and angels with flaming swords that surrounded Elijah and surrounded that servant. And their swords are pointing out towards their enemies. Now, the enemy couldn't see it. The servant couldn't see it, but the man of God could see it because he's operating in another realm. In other words, you've got assets. I thought I, got, I thought I had everybody here today. You've got assets that you don't even know you have. They exist. You've got angels surrounding you every day of your life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What opens our eyes? This right here. That's why coming to the house of God is so vital and important. Because it's time you worship and praise God who you cannot see, but you know that you know that he lives inside you. You know that he lives and you worship him. It opens your heart. And then you hear the word of God being preached. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. It opens my eyes to new possibility. It opens my, under, my the Bible calls it the understanding of my eyes. I, I will see, but when I see, I get understanding of what God's really up to. First Corinthians 2 9 says, But as, as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard. Nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And most people stop right there and go, you see, God's ways are past finding out. He's just too mysterious. You know, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. You know, we don't even know really what God's up to. No, 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 don't stop there. Keep going. What's it say? But God. Everybody say, but God. But God has what? Revealed them to us through his spirit. You're not to be in the dark. You're not to live in the dark. God wants light to come in your life. Light to come in your eyes. Come on, light to come in your understanding. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. How do we tap into that, man? By faith. In other words, if I'm going to get out of my problem, I'm going to have to think and talk differently. I'm going to think and talk supernaturally. I told you what Abraham did. He said, I and the lads will return. He spoke supernaturally. The three Hebrew boys, I mentioned a moment ago, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what do they do? The Bible says, you may throw us in the fire, but king, God will deliver us out of your hand. <laughs> Why are you taking the natural things that people say and go, woo, we better prepare for the worst? What's in us that always prepares for the worst? I tell you what's not in us, the word. If we get the word in us, it opens our understanding. Oh, that's what Jesus said. Do you not say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, 
lift up your eyes and look at the field. Now, now why weren't they already looking at the field? Of course they were. He's not talking about their natural eyes. The eyes of the spirit, the eyes of their understanding. Lift up your eyes and look again at the field, for they are already white for harvest. Tap your neighbor and ask, how's your vision? Ask the other person next to you, say, how's your vision? Not, not vi- no, we're talking about vision, not sight. I said, I'm talking about vision, not sight. Not to- vision. Vision. What do I see in here? God told Joshua, if you're going to take this city, you're going to see I have given you this city, and all the kings will bow their knee to you. See it before you can have it. I want to close with this thought. I got ten closings. This is number one. I'm just seeing this is going to be a lot. This is it right here. We're out of time. Are you all getting something this morning? So many areas I want to get into, but I will say this. Instead of, this is what happened. You know, Adam was set up in the garden this way, you know. Adam was set up in a perfect way. In a perfect way, he, he had total faith and agreement with God in everything. He didn't have any dilemmas, no problems, because he had total faith and agreement with God. But when he fell, he fell from his divine nature. So man then would have to be redeemed and restored. Now, when he fell, instead of trusting God in his work, he, he trusts what he can accomplish with his hands and the sweat of his brow. And that's called toil. And toil is hard work with little results. And so many Christians live this way. What I need is a second job. What I need is a second job. No. No. It's honorable that you want to take care of some things. And maybe for a season, and just for a season, you could do it. But I'll tell you what. Most people, I will tell you this. When people go for a second job just for a season, five years later they're going, this is just for a season. Because you get used to that system and used to that. It's now your hands working, your sweat. There's a better system. And then, of course, that takes you away from the house of God. It takes you away from your children, you see. It, there's always a, another cost that happens. we gotta, we got to say enough is enough. Faith cannot be a source. Faith has to become our only source of trusting and obeying God. I trust God before I trust you. And I love you. I trust God before I trust my government. I trust God before I trust my employer. I trust God. God told Abraham to move by faith and to go to a city whose builder and maker was him, was God. Did it exist in the natural, that city? No. But through the faith journey that Abraham was on, God led him to a future city that only existed because of Abraham's obedience to walk by faith and not by sight. There would have been no city unless Abraham began. God built the city as Abraham began to walk the walk of faith. Okay? God's waiting on you for your family. There's things you should be building for your family that's going to require your faith to get it done. Am I right about this, church? We are limited, and we have limited ourselves by only putting our faith in what we can see rather than what we perceive, God's saying.